Now, we must all fear evil men. But there is another kind of evil which we must fear most. And that is the indifference of good men. This is the St. Longinus's Baptism Podcast channel. This will be episode 59, the top of the topic of which is going to be the pearl of great price. But first a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, in the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. I'm going to list the following, the the. The rosary booklet where, where I'm going to use the following quotes. I'm going to list it in the show notes. And one, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and praying I can do this subject justice. Because it is literally deep. I mean real deep. I'm talking um, Pacific Shelf deep. And obviously I'm not gonna um, this, this if the Lord puts this on my heart, this is something that I'm going to uh, come back to, you know, as long as I'm doing this podcast. But I'm hoping that the Lord and His Blessed Mother gives me the grace to do this topic justice. So, the name of the rosary booklet is called The Garland of Roses. The following quotes are taken from the Sorrowful Mystery. Go, O my soul, and recognize Jesus for what he is, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and return thanks to him and love him now that he has become for the love of you a king of sorrows. This is taken from St. Alphonsus Liguri's book, Passion and Death of Jesus Christ. My love, you have come into the... I'm sorry. Well, my love is good too, but my Lord, you have come into the world of sinners and have purchased for us at such a great price. You have paid for the false joys by the suffering such cruel torments and blows. You have cured me of my blindness and with the blindfold that covered your divine eyes and my vanity with the cruel crown of thorns. Um, that quote comes from St. Teresa of Avila from her autobiography. Let us lift up our eyes upon Jesus, the offer of our salvation. Let us meditate on how our Lord is suspended on a cross and fixed to it with nails. The life of the soul is Christ. Behold how your life of your soul is hanging here. 
Why do you feel no sorrow, no compassion? If he is your light, if he is your life, nay, because he is your life, how can you keep yourself back from him? Must you not be ready with St. Peter and St. Thomas to go to prison and to suffer death together with him? He hangs before you that he may arouse you to compassion for him. He says to you, all who pass by the way, attend and see if there be any sorrows like my sorrows. Truly, no sorrow is like his sorrow. For those who he redeemed with so much suffering, he loses so quickly again. His passion was indeed powerful enough to redeem all men. Yet see how almost all hasten to their own damnation. Is there for him a greater sorrow than this? Yet no one seems to think about this or even care. The topic for this episode is taken from one of the Gospels um, where Jesus was giving a parable in, in some of the older translations. It's called the Pearl of Great Price. Um, I prefer to refer to as the pearl that is priceless. And this, when I, when I use the word priceless, the reason I chose this word is for me personally, the term priceless means that it's, it's invaluable. It's invaluable. It's. Um, uh, for some of my listeners who may not understand what I'm trying to get at, I'm going to try to put it this way. To, um, when I say priceless, just imagine something, just whatever it is that you desire above all else I mean above all else and you would literally you know um, climb mountains walk through fire charge machine gun nests crawl through barbed to get that thing that you desire so great greatly that you um this last part probably um is a little um, extreme, but you would literally die to possess. That is when I use the word priceless. That's what I'm talking about. And when Jesus was talking, or I'm sorry, when Jesus was using the parable, he was talking, well, like I said, this, this is so deep. And like I said, I'm hoping I receive enough grace to do it at least a slight justice. Because I, I realized before I did this episode that there's no way I can do this parable the, the true 
the true justice it deserves. So, one aspect of, of the pearl of great price is salvation. Salvation itself. Um, for this for this episode, I'm not I'm not going to get deeper when when I say salvation itself. I'm going I'm I'm not going to talk about you know the deeper aspects. I'm just going to say what I'm talking about and let you guys draw your own conclusions because you're going to anyway. But there's there's the aspect of your eternal salvation. And then there's also the aspect of the relationship with Jesus Christ himself, not to mention his blessed mother, um, because I'm Catholic, um, I'm a firm believer in order to have a relationship to begin with with Jesus Christ, you have to acknowledge and appreciate and love his mother to even start a relationship with him. And then the third aspect of this is because Jesus Christ, and I covered this in a previous episode, is truth itself, the ultimate truth that is also the pearl of great price. Because if you if, if you desire the actual truth, the source of truth, the ultimate truth, the only way that you're going to get it is following Jesus Christ in his true church. And I go back to this um, what I said in an earlier episode that part of desiring or loving anything is not being lazy or slothful, to put it charitably. And this is borne out, I'll use myself as an example. Um, when I really loved American football and a particular team in particular, on you know, when I had free time, I was doing research. I was I was reading all about this particular football team. And before the NFL draft, I I was um purchasing draft guides. I was reading um, magazines that were analyzing the Colts' strengths and weaknesses. Um, and, uh, if it were possible, I tried to watch all their games. That, that, now that, that sounds like 
a lot of devotion and uh, and um, effort, doesn't it? It really does. Well, maybe to some people, oh, that's... Well, my point in using that example is, is, is that I put that effort and uh, devotion into a stupid football team for a stupid uh, sport that the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, was not going to get me into heaven. It wasn't going to save my soul. It wasn't going to help me to find the peace that I was looking for and the love. It was just a hobby that I really, really cared about. And ironically enough, one of my Protestant pastors tried to tell me this. Now, he did it in a way that was absolutely guaranteed to alienate me because he did it in front of the whole church. He did a little skit. And because this was a small church, everybody in that church knew who it was aimed at. Everybody knew who it was aimed at. Because I am who I am. And I made no secret that I loved my football team. And, you know, I went to church and I paid attention. Um, but, you know, as soon as I was out of church, I, I watched that football game. And there were times when they would give me a call, when they were, you know, having little get-togethers or whatever, and they would say, "Hey, you know, uh, hey guy, we're 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 getting together. Want to come?" And me being me, I told them the truth. I'm like, "Colts game's on. I'm watching it. Um, have a good time. I'm sorry." And, you know, it, it was pure selfishness on my part. You know, there's, there's no denying that aspect. There's no denying it. I mean, I'm trying to be as honest with myself as I possibly can. But all that effort, and this is what he was trying to tell me, all that effort could have been toward trying to get closer to Jesus Christ in the heavenly kingdom. But I was putting it into a worthless, a worthless hobby. Now, some people are going to say, well, I don't do that with my hobbies. Okay. Is the opinion of your family and friends keeping you from getting into the one true church, which is pre-Vatican II Catholic Church, otherwise known as Sedevacantism, because they either disapprove or, you know, they, they can't see the truth as clearly. And so you're not joining it because, you know, um, you're afraid to lose the love of your friends and family. Because if you are, then 
obviously the truth does not mean that much to you. That Jesus Christ does not mean that much to you. And yes, I know that sounds harsh, but it's the truth. Because that's the whole point of the parable of the pearl at great price. You will pay any price and bear any suffering to obtain that pearl that's, that's um, priceless. You will do anything, even give up your life itself to possess it. And the three things that I listed, they're all interrelated because they all are aspects of Jesus Christ Himself. Okay? Um, I've said ad nauseum in previous episodes. Let's just say that you're a Vatican II type or you're a Protestant. Whatever your circumstances may be, because people are individuals. But for, for the sake of this example, I'm going to just use the example of somebody who grew up in a particular um, denomination. Um... Let's just say they were Baptists, Lutheran, in the case of Protestants, or Presbyterians. And so they've known nothing else all... You, I'm sorry, you have known nothing else all your life. Your parents were what, you know, that denomination. Their parents were of that, you know, your whole family going back all, I don't know, three or four generations has always been that particular domination. And you don't know anything else. Now, when I, when I make this statement, and I meant to make it earlier and I forgot, so I'm going to make it here. I am not dogging anyone out for sticking to what they know. Because... God had to intervene directly two times in my life to get me out of my obstinacy and my complacency. The first one was with the Protestantism and the second one was the Vatican II sect. So I am not throwing stones. You know, I literally needed God's direct intervention to move me toward the truth. Because on my own, I was too obstinate and um, complacent to move out of where I was at. And for that matter, while I'm, while I'm dogging my own self out, I will also say that I had even more fault in this regard because I knew that Catholicism was the one true religion. Or, I'm sorry, the first religion. Not the one true... I mean, I did find that out in the Vatican II sect, but I'm saying when I was a Protestant, I knew. A lot of people are laboring under the delusion that the first heretics were actual Christians and that the evil pagan Romans 
you know, persecuted them. And they've been taught this or through air or whatever, they believe this. It was God's grace that I was not laboring under this delusion. You know, I read books from impartial sources that said, if you know, the, the Catholic Church was first. So I I had even less of an excuse than your average your average Protestant. You know, somebody, like I said, uh, who this is all they know, this is all they've been taught and don't know any better. Or um, somebody who has been ill-educated. And when I say ill-educated, I'm not saying that they're stupid, that they have no understanding, that they're a dummy. I'm saying to to these people who think that the um, that the actual heretics before the time of the Protestant revolt were actual proto-Protestants and they were the true Christians and the evil, evil pagan Catholics persecuted them, you have been lied to. You have been lied to massively. Now, to those of you who may be, you know, um... Uh, you're you're holding on to this belief system in good faith. I know that that may sound harsh, but going back to the parable of the priceless pearl, if you love Jesus Christ and His truth, don't you owe it to yourself? if you ever stumble onto this, to at least research your position and pray for God's guidance, that's another thing too. I've said this in previous episodes. If you approach Jesus Christ with, a, with um, good faith and sincerity, He will lead you to the truth. And I'm, you know, I, I think I may have mentioned in a, in a previous episode how I, you know, it took me a while. And, and God made us as individuals. He deals with us as individuals. So I'm not saying that your case is going to be the same as mine. I, I would absolutely argue against that. I'm me, you're you. But what I'm saying is, If you want to possess that priceless pearl, no matter where you're coming from, you have to challenge what you think is the truth. And once again, this is not a slam. This is an exhortation to you. Challenge your, your belief systems because... Part of possessing something that you really, really desire, you know, whatever it is you desire, sometimes you're going to come into a roadblock where your thinking or your beliefs 
are going to come into conflict or keep you back from possessing the thing that you most desire more than anything else in the world. And for the sake of, like I said, for the sake of this um, example, I'm not even going to say maybe a spiritual desire, although, you know, it's kind of a mix of both, really, but let's just say it's a, a secular thing. You want to be a movie star. Uh, you want to be a pro basketball player. Uh, you want to be the next Bill Gates. You want to own your own business. You want the, 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 uh, since I live in the South, you want a vintage car from the 1970s that's cherry. It's a muscle car from the 70s. That's absolutely cherry. And it's, the, the, the owner wants a king's ransom for it. In the case of a secular um, desire, anything that's going to stand in the way of getting that desire, you're, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. It may, you know, may take you a little time, but you're going to lose it because you desire that thing above all else. And for the younger generations out there, because I'm kind of an old man, let's just say it's a, a woman or a man. Okay? Let's say that uh, either at work or at college or you graduated high school and you live in this small town and you've known this woman or man all your life you grew up together but you're not together and you want to marry them you want to be joined to them there's nothing on this earth that's going to I mean now if they obviously if you know if, if you say hey you know I, I really want to be with you and they say no well yeah, okay, but what I'm saying is, is that, let, let me, let me, let me refine what I'm trying to say here. Let's just say, you and your college sweetheart, you're together, and you want to get married, but maybe her parents don't approve, and she, she can't marry you unless her parents approve. Or her, uh, his parents approve, or there's financial difficulties, or use your imagination. There's something standing in the way of you guys getting married. You are going to move heaven and earth so that you are joined to that person until you one of you dies. You're absolutely, and for that matter, for those of you who are married. If you love your husband or wife and kids, you're going to give the ultimate sacrifice. You know, um, in a lesser example, let's say a armed robber breaks into your house and you're, you are going to fight that guy tooth and nail to keep your family safe. 
on a more extreme example, let's just say the gover uh, the Masonic government goombas decide to arrest you and your family and, you know, haul you off to jail, you're going to give your life to give your family a chance to escape, to, to get to safety. So that's, that is the best way I can explain this, this concept. Um, you know, for the spiritual and the secular. And I know I've mentioned this ad nauseum in previous episodes. If you desire, I mean, absolutely desire to have a closer relationship with Jesus You've got to desire his truth. You have to. And the path to truth, he said, he said in um, one of his parables, he said, the road to heaven or righteousness is narrow and it's difficult. Meaning, you know, you can't, you can't lead your day-to-day -day existence, you know, and um, and 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 receive something so valuable. And for what it's worth, guys, I'm gonna tell you, Jesus Christ's truth, his 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 being. Is invaluable. And you can't take it casually. You can't be content with the status quo. Because anything of great value. Is you're going to pay a price. Whether it's physical, mental. You're going to pay a price. It's just. Like I said for my secular people out there. Anybody who has owned something very, very valuable knows you don't just walk in the store at, or a store or whatever and, you, you know, um, plunk down the cash for something that's invaluable. You have to work for it. You have to sacrifice. And, you know, while I'm on this subject, even when I was totally pagan, these people who used to brag, or not brag necessarily, but just say, Oh, I scrimped, I sacrificed, and I saved to put my kids through college. But these same people who were saying, Well, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus Christ. These people who were saying that they that they literally made sacrifices and commitments to get their kids into college didn't act like they were making the same commitment for Jesus Christ. Because let's be honest, college is nothing more than an, uh, uh, an ideology of... Um, it's... it's uh, 
It's institutional. Um, it, it's not meant to educate. It's meant to make ideolo ideologues. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's meant to make ideologues. And if you truly knew the value of what Jesus Christ and the heavenly kingdom has to offer you, you would realize that because I, I've, I've read, like I said when I was a pagan, horror stories of par parents who, who literally sacrificed and all that and, and even tried to raise their kids to be decent human beings, sent them off for four years, and they came back and their kid was a totally different person. And in addition to be a totally person, in some cases, they actually hated their parents and their relatives. Is it worth it? And by the way, this question, is it worth it? It's not just for sending your kid. Anything, anything, hobby, um, possession, is it worth it? Is it worth it in comparison to your soul, your uh, eternal soul? Meaning, if you go to heaven, you spend eternity in heaven. Or if you go to hell, and I don't, I don't care how hard you think you've had it, hell is going to make your lifetime here on earth, which by the way is only Lord willing, if you're blessed, maybe 70 years, is going to make your life, however miserable it might have been, look like touching uh, the stovetop of a, of a hot stove. Meaning, you touch it, you, you bring it back. It's a second. But hell is going to make, make that um, is going to be unimaginatively worse. It's going to be unimaginatively worse. And the worst part of all of it is, is it's for eternity, and guess what? You can't get out. You're going to be there for eternity. Nothing is going to get you out. Because once you die, your will is fixed. If you do not repent before you die, your will is fixed on that. So once again, I have to ask you guys, is it worth it? Is what you're pursuing on earth worth it? Is it absolutely, is it absolutely um, the, the salvation of your soul, the love of Jesus Christ, His blessed mother in the heavenly kingdom? Is it something to, to be taken casually? Is it something to, to, to treat um, like an unpleasant task? Now, speaking for myself, I know that, and I, I still have occasions where, you know, um, doing my practices, you know, I tend to, you know, because we're human beings, we tend to fall into routine 
or we, you know, sometimes we're not feeling it. Literally not feeling it, you know. Uh, you're sick or you're angry or your kids are, you know, you're worried about your kids. And you're not feeling like going to Jesus and his blessed mother and telling him about it. So, once again, I'm not, I'm not throwing those stones. I, you know, I don't, and by the way, in case it needs to be said for what it's worth, I don't consider myself any better than anyone else. I know sometimes if you've listened to previous episodes, it may sound that way. It's not. That's not the case. My whole purpose is to exhort you guys to change your priorities from the secular to the heavenly. And I'm going to end on this last part. There are people, and I used to be one of them, who read tons of history to verify uh, just just to use an example in my old on my own wheelhouse World War two and the the books that are out there that are challenging the narrative of the history of World War two are called revisionist history and that's how the Masonic overlords fool a lot of people. Because when people, when people hear the term revisionist, they think that, oh, this is some pet agenda. This is some pet agenda of whatever historian's writing this. And they're not serious. And they're not to be taken seriously. And by the way, um... As long as we're on the topic of World War II, I'm going to mention David Irving. I've read David Irving. Now, when I first read him, I got, you know, I, I wrote him off. I wrote him off as a uh, Hitler apologist. I wrote him off as a Hitler apologist. And after, but he was writing about stuff, and in some of his books, and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, because this isn't about World War II, but this is about what some people would call autistically looking for the truth. He had, to this day, I don't know how he got these pictures taken. He had pictures of uh, Churchill's Operation Eclipse where basically Eastern Europe was going to be divided into three spheres of influence. And that included Greece. And the Masonic the, the the Masonic overlords or the powers that that be, whatever you want to call them, they painted him out to be a looney tune. 
And I remember when the articles start coming out, oh, David Irving's a Nazi. No, he's, you know, and this was back in, you know, the early 2000s. I wasn't, I mean, I, I wasn't anywhere, you know, close to being uh, a Christian at that time. And I remember reading these internet articles and, and saying, no, man, you, you, you guys are smearing him, which they were. At best, uh, I may have mentioned this in a previous podcast, at best you could say he's a Hitler apologist. And I believe at the end of the day, you can honestly say that. But the historical facts that he presents... They can call him a, a, a Nazi all they want to. They've never been able to disprove what he's written. Because he had literal pictures of the Eclipse documents in one of his books. And so they smeared him to try to discredit him. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because what I'm bringing this up is, if in the secular realm, and it doesn't have to be World War II, it could be the JFK assassination, it could be Marilyn Monroe's drug overdose. If you are that invested in getting down to the bare truth of the matter, now, obviously, if you're secular, you know, I get your point. But if you're if you consider yourself Christian and are going to these lengths to get to a truth that's completely secular and at the end of the day does not matter to your salvation. And you're not applying this same what I call autistic autistic devotion to the truth. My only question is, why? Why? How can you devote to the secular, which is unimportant and doesn't matter, which you should be devoting to the sacred, to God Almighty Himself? And I'm, 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 I'm addressing this to people who, who uh, consider themselves to be Christians. Because like I said, secular people, you know, they're... they're they, to, to them, what, I, what I'm talking about is a bunch of foolishness. And I understand. So, what ultimately this, this is boils down to is your priorities. What's the most important priority in your life? And for the sake of your souls, it should be, it should be uh, Jesus Christ and His ultimate truth. Um, for those of you who may think I'm a rat, uh, a lunatic, or a fanatic, or whatever, if you've given me forty minutes of your time, I'm going to thank you anyway. You're free to think what you want, and quite frankly, lunatic and, and fanatic are 
some of the more milder things that I've been called in my lifetime. So, you know, I, I ain't going to get mad about that. If you gave me 40 minutes and you at least gave me a listen, I'm going to thank you. You didn't have to. Um, and I literally hope and pray that you got something out of this. Because when Jesus call, um, did his parable of the priceless pearl, it, everything that's in the Gospels is important, but in today's day and age, I think that that parable has been forgotten and neglected, to be honest. So, take this for what it's worth. I am praying for all of you and I would like to see as many of you get to heaven as possible. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.